20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast on this Saturday morning. Mike Welland here with Tyler Grizzagoric, and today it is all about coaching. Lots of moves being made around the NFL and even more being made in Green Bay from interviews to departures and to see where the team will move under Matt LaFleur over the next few weeks. He's starting to get to know with this current staff that was in place. He's making some moves. We have a couple notable departures and some interview options potentially for an offensive coordinator spot and one official announcement. But before jumping into that, Tyler, how's everything going? I'm pretty excited. You know, this is just the beginning of what is going to be an even more exciting offseason for the Packers. So let's go. <laughs> All right. So let's go indeed. So we'll start with the official announcement that happened on Friday. Mike Pettin officially announced by the team that he will be returning as the defensive coordinator. So still in cold, Mike Pettin will be back in the press box or in the coaching box for another year running the Packers defense. And when you look at it on the surface, it's a great move. He helped uh, getting the defense start to refresh a little bit and giving these young guys the same coordinator back to back years is a very, very big thing. Yeah, I uh, I was fully in support of bringing Petten back this year. I, he had one year, and in that one year, that defense was decimated with injuries. And even when that defense was decimated with injuries, he was able to make it work and salvageable at at most of the time. Obviously, there are some pretty bad stretches, but when you're playing with your third string guys at multiple positions, that's just bound to happen. And with uh, first time head coach Matt Lafleur coming in. It's just good to have another veteran head coach on the staff, or I'm sorry, ex-head coach, a veteran coach on the staff, and uh, I think that, you know, they're making the right decision full-heartedly by keeping uh, Pettin on the staff for an, for another year. Absolutely, and LeFleur admitted as much that it's it's good to have Pettin there as a former head coach who we can kind of lean on, who we can talk to, and kind of bounce things off, and that also lets LeFleur be able to, to run the offense uh, as as a play caller and let Petten take care of the defense, let him go. And you know, you know the players like Petten; they want to play for him. And I think it's a huge deal to see Petten get the, get another chance to run with his defense. And I'm excited to see what he can do once they get an edge rusher or two in the draft or free agency to see him at at the height of his powers and what he can really dial up for this team. Yeah, and one thing that nobody I've seen nobody talk about yet, and I think it's something that could be really incredibly important, both. Mike Pettin and Matt LaFleur are creative guys. And Pettin, we saw it all year, you know, kind of he's changing up his packages, putting guys in different places, trying to get them to make plays, but basically changing up his looks every week. And there was not really the same defense from week to week to week. I don't think we're going to get the same offense from week to week to week. And I I have to imagine how fun that practice is going to be with Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin kind of scheming against each other. And ultimately, I think that's just going to breed an incredible bout of competition and an incredible amount of creativity. And it's just, it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch throughout the season, the offseason, you know, everything that is to come for the 2019 Packers. Absolutely, and we'll get to the offense in a little bit. But with the news of Mike Pettin's uh, retention, did come some news. We did get a notable departure for the Packers, and that's Joe Witt Jr., the passing game coordinator, passing defense coordinator, also secondary coach, is de- uh, departing the team. They have terminated his contract. 
Uh, so he is no longer, and I got into a Twitter debate with a guy about whether Witt was a good coach or not. Charles Woodson vouches for him, a lot of other guys as well. But Joe Witt, uh, gone, uh, former vestige of the McCarthy era, could be just kind of getting a lot of those guys out of there and getting, as for the most part, a fresh start with the coaching staff. But what are your thoughts on Joe Witt leaving Green Bay for the first time in a long time? Yeah, you know, I understand why. The the passing defense, as much as we want to, you know, kind of pick at it and nitpick, it hasn't been good for a long time. And Joe Witt Jr. has been a part of that passing defense for just as long. Now, Joe Witt Jr. is an incredibly intelligent coach. He has these testimonials from from these other ex-players and other coaches and that's all fine and dandy but the product was just ultimately not making it onto the field and I do agree with the decision while it, it kind of stings a little bit because he was just a, he was such a good uh, communicator he was friendly with the media and as I mentioned he was incredibly intelligent and you could you could see that when he would just talk about the secondary and the way he would talk about the defense and he I just think that, like you said, it's kind of a product of him being himself a product of the McCarthy era and ultimately also a failure uh, to get a successful passing defense on the field in the re- the recent years. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because he's talked in the past about wanting to be a play caller and be a coordinator. I think he'll get there eventually. And I know guys like Woodson and Casey Hayward have really vouched for him, but it would probably was time to move on and let... Mike Pettin really bringing his own guys. I assume Jerry Montgomery will be back on the D-line, and a lot of those guys who came in with Pettin will stay. But Witt was one of the few retaining guys on defense from from, be, from before Pettin, so him gone is is interesting. So we, we wish him the best. We hope Joe Witt catch, gets a job soon, and it'll be interesting to see the Packers coach against him in future years because I'm sure he won't be out very long, and he may end up following McCarthy in a year or two to, to wherever he ends up being as well. Uh, moving on toward special teams very quickly before we get to the offense. Obviously, the big one that got everyone excited was Ron Zook was officially released from his duties as special teams coach. And I know you were a bit more excited than most about that. Yeah, and just to kind of set the record straight, I'm never excited about a man or a woman losing their job. However, he had no business coaching a special teams in the NFL it was obvious and just evident time in and time out. It took way too long for them to make this move. I'm glad they finally did it. We can move on. And it, I think LaFleur said it well, aggressive and, you know, no penalties. Like, that was just not Ron Zook. So he just did not fit the new culture that was about to be, you know, set in by LaFleur and... uh I'm I'm very excited for the future of the special teams with somebody else running it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And one of the names that had been linked for a long time was Braden Combs, uh, former Bengals, I think, assistant special teams or head special teams coach. He's but it's been announced assistance. He he. But it's announced he will not be in the role. He is basically out of the running, uh, for a, a series of sources. So it looks like he is going to be going somewhere else so we have no idea who the special teams coach will be yet uh, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on as well and so the Packers special team still kind of in flux with coaching obviously Ron's gone to the celebration of many Braden Combs not going to be the special teams coach so we'll see who Matt LaFleur hires in just a little bit and so as we turn our attention toward the offense there's a lot of news who comes for it comes to the Packers offense and the coaching staff 
Uh, the big one, Dave, uh, David Rye is gone, the receivers coach. He he is seek uh, permission to seek other jobs. See, I think he was talking with the Cardinals and talking with uh, Double K, Cliff Kingsbury, on getting maybe the job there. Uh, we're still in the waiting news on James Campen and maybe even Joe Philbin for the offensive line job. Uh, personally, for me, I would like Campen to come back. I think he's a great offensive line coach. And look at the work he did with guys like David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley as late picks to help them reach their talent levels. But there's a lot. What do you think of the position coaches uh, and, and the news with that? Yeah, you know, I'm not too bent up about losing David Ray. His one-year stead as the wide receivers coach was just nothing to call home about. Yeah, there were some nice things that Equinemia St. Brown did and, and Mark Wesvelda Scantling and a couple of these young guys. There were some nice things they did and... But ultimately, he's not credited. I'm not going to credit him with Devontae Adams' uh, development. Uh, the you know, Even though Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown played extremely well this year, better than we expected, there was still a lot of disconnect and a lot of things that, yes, they were rookies, but it was a lot of miscommunication between the receivers and Rodgers and just little things that you would expect the coaching staff to be taking care of. And, you know, obviously I'm not in that coaching room. I'm not on that field. I don't know what the problem is, but it did just seem obvious at times that there was problems with the communication between the wide receivers and Aaron Rodgers. And you, that kind of falls back on the wide receivers coach. So I'm not too, I'm not too bent up about losing him. And, uh, you know, I do hope that Campin returns. Uh, he's done a fine job with the offensive line. I don't know about as of late. You know, McCray, I think, has fallen through. Lane Taylor's turned out to be serviceable, I think, at best at the uh, left guard position. I wouldn't put him anywhere other than, you know, maybe an average to at an absolute best above average left guard in the NFL. But he's done a good job, and I would like to see him return. Um, and Philbin, if they could find a uh, room for him on the staff, I don't think he's going to want to stay. But just another veteran coach and another guy who knows Green Bay uh, might not be a, guy, a bad guy to try and keep around. But there's just going to be a lot of changes moving forward, and we kind of knew that coming into this offseason. So uh, it's exactly what we expected. Yeah, with, with Philbin, I think especially I'd like to see him keep around as like, as like an assistant head coach or whatever or like a, just a locker room guy because he obviously the players respect him. They like him. They lobbied for him a lot. And also I don't want him in Minnesota. Because mm. he is a very, he's still a very good coach, and him coaching the Vikings offensive line is not something I would be very excited about. But with that being said, the Packers are in in the market for an offensive coordinator, and there was two names that came up a lot: uh, Todd Munkin, former Buccaneers offensive coordinator and yes. also head coach of Southern Miss, and Nate Hackett, former Jaguars coordinator, uh, son of Paul Hackett, a longtime coach as well. And both those names are intriguing. Uh, Munkin was said to have been the number two for the head coaching job that. Matt LaFleur eventually got he was he apparently he interviewed very very well he got a number of interviews from the NFL teams to be a head coach and what he did last year with the inconsistency of Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard uh, showed that he's got the chops to be a good coordinator oh if they can if they can land Todd Bunkin as an OC even if it's for only a year I don't care that combine his whatever passing knowledge and passing schemes and whatever else you want to call it Combine that with the creativity that LaFleur is supposedly going to bring to this offense. And, man, that is going to be one heck of a ride in 2019. I mean, he, like you said, he took that, that Buccaneers offense that the only, you know, real impressive piece of that offense is Mike Evans. And he brought that offense to being a top three offense in the entire NFL. Each of his three years as the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay, 
he improved that offense in the passing game specifically uh, I pretty significantly. I believe in 2016, they were 18th ranked. That was his first year. 2017, they were inside the top 10 at 9. And then last year, they were the third best passing offense and offense in general in the entire NFL. It's just, I, I would love to see Todd Munkin paired up with Matt LaFleur. Absolutely. And you look at, at what he did with, well, not Billy Sims and not uh, Tiki Barber in the backfield. And you look at and he's, also, he's also he's not a play caller. Dirk Cutter called the plays when he was the head coach in Tampa. So Munkin is willing to take that back seat behind a play caller, and he's got the head coaching experience. So you know he's a leader. Uh, he got him into the NFL as as an OC there, and I think I agree he would be my top pick to be the OC. And if they can get him in, that would be an absolute coup for Matt Lafleur and Fleur and Brian Gutekunst. On the other side, you do have Nate Hackett, who was fired from Jacksonville this past season. But to be fair, when you're trying to coordinate Blake Bortles, you're kind of losing the battle from the outset. And he did a good job with him last year as far as helping the Jaguars offense run to their strengths, ride the running game, and and control their the short passes with guys like you with D.D. Westbrook that he had down there and, and Marquise Lee and and all those guys. And I, so I think there's a lot of interest there, and there could be something interest, uh, good with Hackett coming in. Because think what he could do with a lot of the swing pass game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and maybe getting the tight ends involved more. And so I think those two guys, either one, I think would be a very good coordinator for Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the key to finding a good offensive coordinator for LaFleur is somebody who is going to provide him something that he's not necessarily good at. And with Munkin, that's going to be the deep the deep play, the big, the big pass. And... I don't, you know, necessarily know what LaFleur's repertoire or arsenal is with his play calling or schemes, but you know, obviously we saw that Titans offense last year and it was not necessarily a big play machine until Derrick Henry decided to take off eight nine games left in the season. He just decided to run start running people over finally. And then Nate Hackett, he could provide, you know, I think he would be a good complement to LaFleur. LaFleur does like to utilize his running backs. You talked about the swing passes out of the backfield. I do feel like Hackett would be a good complement to what LaFleur is good at for what we know he's good at. And I just feel like either one of these guys would be okay, but I'm definitely way all in for Todd Munkin over Nate Hackett right now. Well, ideally it would be Todd Munkin as OC and Hackett as quarterback's coach, but that's just me. But I, when you talk, you talk about Lafleur and how he got Derrick Henry going in Tennessee. That speaks a lot to him as well. That how versatile Lafleur is as, as a coach. He went from the McVay Shanahan type offense, and we know how good Mike Shanahan was with running backs as well. With with, with Lafleur as a young guy there, to being able to adjust his scheme mid season to to what his team strengths are, and and had to be able to do that in Green Bay would go a long way. And think of what he could have done this past year. With a hobble, Aaron Rodgers, but you had Aaron Jones, you had Williams, you had guys like Devontae Adams who are still doing what they do best. And the fact that he can adjust so well, I think, is something that this team hasn't seen in years, and it's something that's going to be a breath of fresh air to watch in 2019. Well, and it was evident during his press conference. Man, I'm using that word a lot tonight, evident. But it was pretty clear during his press conference that LaFleur understood the importance of innovating your offense and continually doing so and that's something that this offense needed. And I'm, you know, they mentioned during the press conference, I believe it was Mark Murphy said that they noticed a, a culture of complacency that was starting to overtake the team. And is 100% right. The NFL is always changing from game to game, play to play. 
you literally need to be adjusting every single play you're putting out there. And every single play needs to set up or mean something else in the long run. And it sounds maybe a little bit exaggerative, but it really is the case. Every single run sets up a play action or sets up some other run you're going to run later. That's the key to these offenses, and I think that LaFleur understands that. I think he understands the fact that he's going to have to change things up every now and then. No, I agree. So just to recap for the Packers news, Mike Pettin officially is back. Joe Witt, Ron Zook, and David Ray are not going to be back in Green Bay next year. Braden Coombs will not be hired on special teams. And they they have interviewed Todd Munkin and want to interview Nate Hackett as the offensive coordinator. So obviously plenty of news from 1265 Lombardi with playoff games just around the corner as well in the rest of the NFL. But before we uh, shut things down for this edition of the podcast, there's a lot of moves going on around the league as well and that, that could impact the Packers as well. Uh, we'll start in Chicago. Obviously Vic Fangio is gone. He finally gets a head coaching job. He'll go out to Denver and he'll get to have fun with Von Miller. But to replace him, Chuck Pagano is now going to be running the Bears' defense. And Pagano was an aggressive coordinator in Baltimore. He was an aggressive coach in Indy. What do you see him bringing to the Bears' defense that is was number one in the NFL? Not much that wasn't already there. Uh, you know, you mentioned that he was aggressive. Uh, he gets a lot of credit for the Baltimore defenses. But I'll be honest, I think he was a beneficiary of the talent that was already in place there. And I guess it's going to be the same thing in Chicago. If, if in fact, he's going to come in and be aggressive again like he has in the past, he's going to fit what they were doing on defense already. And maybe there's not going to be a big drop-off. But I just think that Fangio is a much better defensive coach than Pagano at this point. And we'll have to wait and see. As with any coach, any hire. But at this point, it seems like a big win for Green Bay. Absolutely, and then if we as we head down to Miami, this deal's not official yet, but it sounds likely that it's going to happen once the Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs, whether it's before or after the Super Bowl, hopefully much before, that Brian Flores is the favorite to take the head coaching job for the Miami Dolphins. He'll replace Adam Gase, who is now with the Jets, as the coaching carousel continues. Uh, Flores was interviewed by the Packers last week for the job, and apparently he's in pretty high regard as the defensive as the a de facto defensive coordinator in New England and another young guy going down to Miami. Maybe he can help try and turn the team around there. They've had obviously locker room issues over the years, even going back to when Joe Philbin was coaching there. And so hopefully he can try and maybe bring a little bit of the Patriots way down to Miami. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a culture hire. Uh, we're looking at the common trend in the NFL today, and it's go get that young guy. It uh, doesn't have to be from the McVay tree or the Kyle Shanahan tree or the Mike Shanahan tree, but just go get that young offensive mind and you know kind of go that way. But the Dolphins decided to go defense, and like you were saying, a culture fit, a culture change. Um, it, there must have been something that was appealing to the Packers, considering they brought him in for an interview. Uh, don't know why he didn't get a second, but uh, all I hear is good things about Brian Flores around the NFL. Yeah, interesting, and and also kind of shows a ring on the wall that he's probably not next in line for Belichick. That's still probably Josh McDaniels was why he shut down everything after he didn't get the Green Bay job. But one of the popular names for offensive coordinator for the Packers was originally also Zach Taylor, uh, the Rams offensive coordinator, in name only essentially behind Sean McVay this year. 
Sounds like he's going to be going to work with Andy Dalton and the Bengals. Uh, again, we had to wait for the Rams to get eliminated before it becomes official, but it seem, it sounds like the Bengals have narrowed it down to to do whatever they can to get Taylor. And so McVay's uh, staff weakens a little bit, and it's interesting to see Taylor jump to the AFC into a black and blue division like the AFC North to go to Cincinnati on a team that has dealt with essentially mediocrity for the better part of 45 years. Yeah, this one was a little bit surprising to me because Zach Taylor is one of those guys that we were certainly talking about that could get a head coaching job. But I didn't think he was ready for a head coaching job. Similar to Cliff Kingsbury, I thought he was more fit to co- to jump into a full-fledged OC job. But I actually look at this as the beginning of the end for Andy Dalton. I think they're bringing in Zach Taylor, who's been a quarterback's coach, Uh, in St. Louis. I'm sorry, I'm in St. Louis. Oh my goodness, Los Angeles. Wow. And, um, you know, so I think they're going to bring in a new guy. They're going to bring in a new quarterback for Zach Taylor to work with. And I I ultimately think that's the path that Cincinnati's looking to take. Yeah, you never know. They could be a team that looks up to maybe move up to grab a David or Daniel Jones or a Kyler Murray or something like that to to slowly groomed behind a Dalton for maybe a year or so because Dalton still got that contract. But I'm I'm with you. I'm very surprised and fascinated by Taylor's ascent. Uh, it's a very similar to what Lafleur's ascent was. Lafleur went from a quarterbacks coach to an offensive coordinator, but then he went to go call plays for a year, and now he's a catch coach of the NFL. Taylor has not called plays. I was see Sean McVay controlled all that, so it would be interesting to see what Taylor does as the head man in Cincinnati if he does actually officially get the job in a little bit. But it's it's quite the coaching carousel. Things are wrapping up awfully quickly as far as head coaching hires as these playoffs go on. And there's it's it seems to have moved quicker than most years. It really has. Um, maybe it's because people, or I should say people, teams are picking candidates that aren't in the playoffs uh, like in the past. I, I don't know. But yeah, it, it seems to have kind of taken a quicker turn this year than it has in the past. I think teams are looking to kind of get that front foot forward, kind of like Green Bay has been the whole time. They've got they they've been ahead of the game and ahead of the curve the entire time. But I think a lot of teams are looking to kind of get that head start on the rest of the off season and getting their staffs in place and kind of getting through their evaluations for free agency and the draft. Also, it'll still don't forget Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland get promoted. Also, I think Greg Williams went out with the Jets. I want to say he got hired by. Oh, really? I saw Adam Gase. Okay, Steve Wilkes is uh, the DC in Cleveland. I saw that. Yes, I know. And someone I remember reading Greg Williams did get hired as well right away. I want to say it's the Jets. Yeah, and the other, the only other significant one is Vance Joseph as the DC in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach. Yeah, so a lot of movement around as far as former head coaches and defensive coordinators and so on and so forth. So the coaching carousel continues round and round. We'll stop eventually, probably round draft time in next season. But stay tuned to the Packaday podcast again every day, 365 days a year, maybe 366 in every four years or so, as we will bring you all the latest news and events from the world of the Green Bay Packers. So Tyler, as we wrap things up, where can we find you and what are you working on? So I'm currently working on actually the Cheesehead TV draft guide uh, that's due to come out 
I actually don't know when it's supposed to come out yet. Uh, we're waiting on that information. However, I'm working on the interior defensive linemen, starting to chug through those for the draft guide. Uh, other than that, I'm actually kind of taking a backseat to writing, so uh, kind of focus, focusing on some other things right now. But I'm looking forward to jumping into some of these uh, old Rams uh, film studies and some Titans film study from last year. Uh, to kind of get a sense for what LaFleur is going to be like. And uh, whoever the OC is, kind of jumping into their film as well. But you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez, at T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z, as always. And you can find me at Mike Wendland on Twitter. Uh, right now I'm still working on my big hockey article for the website I write for, as far as Wisconsin Badgers hockey, and also working doing a lot of high school sports right now in central Wisconsin because it is the height of basketball and hockey season up in mid-Wisconsin. And as long as the weather holds, I'm going to be very, very busy as well. I'll also be tweeting about football and things like that. I'll be watching all four games this weekend as well. But stay tuned for more of the Packaday podcast tomorrow with some of our more great contributors. And we'll be back in a couple weeks again with more news. Hopefully we'll talk about some more of the defense and special teams and look back at the year as we get ready. We'll also have hopefully all the news of all the underclassmen who have officially declared for the draft. We can maybe talk about that as well. But still, so much information, so much news going on in Packerland. So we'll let it go for now and let our contributors pick up for us tomorrow. So for Tyler Grezegork, this is Mike Wenland saying so long for this edition of the Packer Day Podcast. We'll talk to you next time in All World Packers. Stay safe, guys. Shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it deep down the right sidelines, and it is intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right, throws the right side. Think Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame. Tumble out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here is placement made. Kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers a dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, throws right side, intercepted to the house, Bishop Breeland, touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, lost they the right side, they, they got him. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers, who ducks it under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. It is Aaron Jones, off to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sidelines, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the 5.
Jones with a burst, 67 yards. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied.